Hi, I'm Debbie George Addis. Welcome to my show, America Can We Talk. Today we're going to talk about the Supreme Court decision that came out this morning saying no to a citizenship question on the census. Number two, history of how we got here on the border mess. And number three, deep state deportation sabotage. And last, Democrat debate doozies from last night. And finally, I'll tell you why these stories matter to you. Stay tuned. Debbie Georgiatis, host of America Can We Talk, is an author, attorney, and political analyst whose mission is to inspire the American political conversation about preserving liberty in the best country on earth. America Can We Talk is sponsored by GC Works, a Dallas-based company performing advanced technology research in the oil and gas industry. And hello again and welcome again to America Can We Talk and to today's first five. The Supreme Court issued a ruling this morning, I think today's the last day of the Supreme Court session, relating to the effort by the Trump administration to add a question to the 2020 census, essentially asking each person responding to the census, are you a U.S. citizen? The subpart, of course, if they said no, you know, what was their status? This was hotly contested and had uh, numerous decisions in lower courts but the decision came in front of the Supreme Court. The issue came before the Supreme Court, and today they issued their decision. The short answer is that they did not say, the Supreme Court did not say that that question can never be on the census. It did say that the question can't be on this census because the issue has to go back to a lower court. So the Trump administration is not permanently blocked from asking this question, but for all practical purposes, during the uh, presidency of Donald Trump, if he cannot get that question on this census, it will not be asked during his administration because, as I'm sure you know, the Constitution requires a census every 10 years. It's really important to understand what this decision did and didn't say, and also the political and really um, cultural ramifications for this, economic ramifications. To be precise, the court had three questions in front of it whether the 2020 uh, decennial census can ask regarding each person whether they're a U.S. citizen. Second, whether district courts, so those are federal courts, the federal trial courts, district courts in an Administrative Procedure Act APA hearing can order discovery beyond the administrative record to examine a cabinet officer's decision-making. And that's really what the crux of this decision was, is can the lower courts ask why do you want this question on there? Whose idea it was? What, what are your reasons? What's your background for it? And then number three, whether adding a question on citizenship violates the Constitution's enumeration clause. All that really means is the Constitution requires that the question, the, the census happen every 10 years, and the court was asked to directly address the question whether or not that clause requiring the census every 10 years would be violated if the, if the census included a citizenship question. So the short answer is the court ruled today that the question right now, uh, the Trump administration has blocked, it sent the case back to lower courts. Now the census, the physical document, the census was intended to go to the printer to begin the printing and preparation process next week. So if it goes as is, then the court is going to, the court's ruling is going to mean that the, uh, the Commerce Department that puts this out with input from the Justice Department can't put that question on. But President Trump, in hearing about the Supreme Court decision today, 
sent, uh, put a couple tweets out. And I actually, on the way driving to my show, I had someone call me to say, did you see what Trump said about the, um, about the census ruling? And this person figured, of course, I'm going to talk about this today. So I, I had that te- them text me what Trump had to say. That's why I'm reading from my phone. But this was what President Trump had to say about this ruling by the Supreme Court. Seems totally ridiculous that our government, and indeed country, cannot ask a basic question of citizenship in a very expensive, detailed, and important census, in this case for 2020. I have asked the lawyers if they can delay the census no matter how long until the United States Supreme Court is given additional information from which it can make a final and decisive decision on this very critical matter. Can anyone really believe that as a great country, we are not able to ask whether or not someone is a citizen? Only in America, exclamation point. I want to just tell you why this is so important. I know we talked about this in this uh, show before, but the census is done because the Constitution just says you have to count everyone in the country. It doesn't say, the Constitution doesn't say you have to count citizens. You have to count everyone. But the census asks multitudes of questions. Many people refuse to answer the census at all or to answer all the questions. They just think, Kind of, you know, I don't want to help big government be even bigger government and big brotherish. I don't really want to answer these questions. They'll answer one or two and send it back. So there are already many questions on the census. And up until around 1950, the question of your citizenship was on the census. It's not without precedent. The reason it matters so much today, there are numerous reasons, but I want to give you, I think, are the most important. There's nothing the Democrat Party would like more in this country than to hide from the American people the number of illegal citizens, illegal aliens living in our country. The Democrat Party, the radical left in this country, does not want America to get a straight out accounting of how many people are in this country illegally. Number two, the census numbers The number of people living in areas directly impacts the number of districts assigned to various states for a seat in the U.S. Congress, meaning the cities and states that harbor more illegal aliens get more representation in Congress because those districts are measured by numbers. There's supposed to be a certain number, a a member of Congress for every certain number of people. Well, if you're counting illegal aliens within your cities, then you're getting more representation than you would if we only counted citizens. Next, the number of people you have in Congress directly affects the number of people you have representing your state in the Electoral College. So having illegal aliens counted in our census ends up giving more power to the leftists in this country who are driven by not honoring citizenship, by, by abandoning the border, by humoring sanctuary cities. That leftism that allows people to be harbored in states leads to more members of Congress and more members of Electoral College. Last point on this, and I will tie the other side's arguments, but the last point on this is that federal money, billions and billions of dollars given to states based on citizenship for all sorts of programs are given based on the numbers in the census. If the census said, well, our state has, let's just say round numbers, you know, we have 6 million people, but actually only 5 million of them are legal. You know, one, one sixth of our citizens, our, our residents in our state are not citizens. Maybe Congress would say, you know what? We're only going to give you money relevant to your actual citizens because that's what U.S. tax dollars go for, citizens. 
all sorts of money would be impacted from Washington were we to have an accurate count. Now, the argument on the left, uh, the stated reason for their opposition to having the census ask the citizenship question is basically because you'll have people afraid to answer. They'll be afraid to answer the citizenship question uh, because they are afraid maybe once they say, well, actually, no, I have no legal right to be here, you know, um, that they'll that, you know, ICE will be knocking on their door or that they will be arrested or they'll be harassed in some way so that they will have an undercounting because people who are legally here won't answer the census. And that is I will say that is legitimate concern. I think that people faced with a U.S. census asking them flat out, are you a citizen? And they're not, if they aren't, and they have no legal right to be here. I mean, there's, there's other things, but, uh, classifications besides, you know, you're a citizen or an illegal alien. But whatever your status is, if you're not here legally, you might actually be inspired to not answer the census. I agree that is true. But, okay, so we have an undercounting of illegal aliens. I'm okay with that. I think America should be okay with that. As to what Donald Trump should do about this, Donald Trump is in, in, you know, in Trump-esque form is not just saluting to this absurd decision. And I'll get to the, just a tiny bit of the meat of the decision. Most students of the Supreme Court, most lawyers would have said that Trump would win, that the Trump administration, that the government would win this argument. And the people on the left, of course, trying to prevent that question being in the census, like the ACLU, all, all sorts of left-wing um, illegal alien advocates. So people thought that Trump, having a majority of the conservatives on the Supreme Court, that he would win the day. But Justice Roberts, who, you know, who, who is the problem also in the Obamacare rulings, Justice Roberts side, sided with the four liberals on the court. Justice Roberts jumped shipped, ship of uh, the conservative side, went with the uh, liberals on the court and found that this was, but to be really precise, I want to get to now what he found. So Roberts is the one, if you want to point to one person who is a problem on this, because he was the one that sided with the liberal faction who, of course, side with the ACLU and, and are very, very supportive of illegal aliens staying here as long as they want. But Justice Roberts said what he got at in his decision was that the administration gave conflicting reasons for wanting to ask this question. I mean, there is a process. You have to give notice. The Administrative Procedures Act requires you give notice and people get to weigh in and the, and, you know, the government has to say why they want certain things. So Roberts is basically saying that there were inconsistent answers given and that's what he wants to give the lower courts a chance to go back and, and understand better, dive in, you know, what, what, was the, um, what are the reasons for this question. But interestingly and very, very importantly, Justice Roberts also pointed out, and I want to give you the language that he said, because it was, it was rather amazing. He said there was basically, uh, if I don't find it, yeah. He said basically that there was nothing they could find in the law that would be a, uh, a standard which would allow them to deny any question that the administration wanted to ask. He's acknowledging that the administration has authority to do the census and to do it how they want. And so his, he basically said, um, you know, it, it's a, um, yeah, here's the language. I wanted to read it. Roberts wrote, neither the respondents nor my colleagues have been able to identify any relevant judicially manageable limits on the secretary's decision to put a core demographic, demographic question 
back onto the census. He's saying there's nothing that says that we can't, that the Trump administration can't put this question on the census. Nothing in law says they can't. His only gripe is because the Trump administration in the argument of the ACLU and other leftists gave inconsistent explanations as to why, and that's the reason all by itself that the question should be thrown out. So Trump is going to fight. I'm gonna tell you folks, he is not gonna take this sitting down. The idea of putting this on the, on the census, and I'll tell you that the, the political ramifications of this, of this are that the left is empowered when we Americans are unaware of what the outcome or the consequence is of all their policies. The American left, the Democrat party, encourages sanctuary cities, always is trying to find a way to make illegal aliens somehow become citizens, won't fund border security, won't fund, doesn't acknowledge the importance of border security, and is endlessly advocating for a quicker path for anyone who happens to make their way into America to become a citizen. The left uses this whole issue of allowing people to come here as a means of gaining political power. This decision and everyone on the Supreme Court, all nine of them, understand what I just said. They all know that the American left benefits from keeping hidden from the American people how many here people are here illegally and from having more and more people enter our country illegally and being given a pathway of citizenship by the left. And the left does this because they see these people as future voters. The, the Supreme Court understands the political consequences of their decision. And it really was a, a kind of a nitpicky, un, I mean, they could have, Roberts could have easily gone the other way, easily gone with the, uh, the, the people who actually tried to follow the Constitution, the conservatives on the court, uh, but he didn't in this one. And so I, I don't know what's going to happen, but I, I'm at least going to tell you, as of today, Trump is saying he's trying to find a way to delay it, to get it back in front of the court. Now, if the courts agreed that the administration can really do it for whatever reason they want, there really isn't a reason the court ultimately can't say, sure, go ahead. But the timing of this ruling makes it very difficult for the Trump administration to get the census out on time. Honest to goodness, folks, I think Trump might do a lot of things, including things like we're just going to delay sending the census out. You know what? We're just going to wait. We're not going to mail it out till a year from now. I don't know what he's going to do, but I do know that the... Um, and I don't know if he has administrative regulatory freedom to do that, but he is, does not like being stymied by the Supreme Court. And it is a really, it's a, it's a not just unfortunate decision, but a, a very politically consequential decision and, and just truly shocking the Supreme Court couldn't come down on what is obviously the right answer that if the Supreme Court, if the Commerce Department, the government can put what they want on, this, on the census, they ought to be able to put this question on. And that, my friends, is today's First Five. I want to turn and tell you something. I want to share something with you. Um, and this is actually coming from a series of tweets put together, but it is the backdrop. It is the historical explanation when you connect the dots I'm about to share with you for how we got here on the border problem, how we got here as a country on the caravans, the border mess. The, what I'm about to tell you is really important to understand, tell your 25 best friends, because America is being played by the appearance of caravans and then the pressure on American policymakers to bend our rules, bend regulations, spend more money to accommodate these caravans. And we have to see them for the political assault they are. Not that the individual people and caravans know this, but 
many in Washington do know about what I'm about to tell you. Before I get into that, I will tell you that many of you probably saw over the um, last couple of days a, a horrific image. I'm not going to put it up during this show. An image of a young man, I think he was 21 or 23 years old, trying to make his way across the southern border, you know, coming across the Rio Grande, and he had a small child, I think an 18-month-old child, and the two of them did not make it. They drowned in the river, and their, and their bodies washed up. So it was a horrific picture all over the media and intended to say, look what a mess our border is. Look at these poor people. And it, they, it is an utter human tragedy. It's an utter human tragedy. And we don't want to have policies in place that perpetuate uh, possibilities like that. What the left will tell you is that the way to stop those kinds of things from happening is just to open the borders. Stop fussing about citizenship. Stop fussing about asylum standards. Stop fussing about whether or not people coming over have, you know, meet any of our asylum standards. Just let it go. This is the mission of the American left, even though they don't say that exactly. They're a little more careful, but that is the, the necessary outcome and the mission of the American left. And so I want to run through a series of tweets. And before I do that, one last thing. So President Trump had a little uh, very uh, impromptu press conference. And some people have said these are the best kinds. In fact, I think I was telling you all recently when I got uh, up to Washington, uh, just because of someone I happened to know, I got to uh, got a real insider's tour of the White House and got to kind of walk all over inside the White House. And also was shown this uh, walkway where my friend who was showing us around said, yeah, this is where President Trump often, as he is walking off to get on uh, Marine One to take off, uh, there'll be press congregated by this driveway area and they'll stop and ask him questions. He loves these little pressers. Sometimes you get the most gems out of him. So he had one this morning and this, my incredibly wonderful, wonderful Matt, um, is clip two. I want to just have, show you what, um, what Trump said this morning about the mess at the, at the borders. This is President Trump this morning as he headed off to Japan. Thank you very much. I just spoke with Nancy Pelosi and we had a good conversation having to do with the, the bill, humanitarian aid at the border for the children, mostly. And uh, we are moving along very well with a bipartisan bill in the Senate. Uh, spoke with Mitch, spoke to a lot of people. We're doing very well. Uh, it's very far along, and I believe the House is going to also be getting together with the Senate. Hopefully, they can get something done. It's humanitarian aid. It's very important. And I think that a lot of people are starting to realize that I was right when I said we have a crisis at the border. Everyone's saying now we had a crisis at the border. It wasn't a manufactured crisis, which they were saying. It wasn't manufactured at all. We have a crisis at the border. We can solve the problem if they would change some of the rules and regulations, change asylum, uh, change uh, so many different things. The loopholes in particular could be done very quickly and you wouldn't have this problem. I've been saying it for a year and a half. I've been saying you have to change the loopholes, you have to change asylum. You wouldn't have this problem. They're not working on that, unfortunately, today. What they're working on is aid. It's humanitarian aid for the children. It seems that the Senate is very close. I think that Nancy wants to get something done, and uh, the Senate and the House will get together. I think they'll be able to do something. Okay, I was going to tell you a couple of things. I um, de definitely want to, um, first of all, that clip, <laughs> a friend's texting me. The clip was yesterday. Okay, so that was President Trump yesterday morning. But... 
What I want to get at before I get into this, I want to lay out for you how the caravan crisis at the southern border, this horrific picture of this young dad and his very young daughter, um, and as well as the many other instances we've seen of people who are suffering, trying to cross into America. This is a manufactured by the left, concocted by the left crisis, concocted by the Obama administration. And I want to lay that out because it impacts how we should react as a country. It impacts whether or not we should just keep receiving all of the caravan, people who are coming here and they're more and more and more and more and more headed all the time, um, and how we should adjust our policy to stop them from coming, and how we should recognize as Americans, we don't have to be played by this, by this astonishing stunt, and stunt is like too nice a word, this um, scandal really led by the Obama administration. So I'm going to lay out um, where this all got started. Again, this is a hat tip to conservative treehouse, which laid out this sequence of tweets. Number one, November of 2012, before President Obama was elected again, so he's been president for four years, uh, in November of 20, 2012, before he's elected, um, he was down the border and he made a couple of remarks just prior to his uh, next election, where he was mocking the, uh, the conservatives for being concerned um, about border security. And he was, you know, blathering on and on about, you know, what we want to have as an alligator moat or something stupid like that. And then he was also talking about wedge issues. You know, he was, he was on to basically saying we need to fix the border with comprehension immigration reform. So he's reelected in November 2012. December of 2012, a month later, he put in place DACA through executive order, Deferred Action Program, Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals is what DACA is. And remember, DACA is something that Obama himself told America he knew he didn't have power to do. He did not have power to do this. He said, I wish I could do this by executive order, but I can't. He just decided to do it anyway. So he puts DACA in place. So according to White House own internal documents, DACA was what the Central American communities immediately began using as their reason to attempt to migrate to America. In both border control studies and a DHS intelligent report, the DACA program that Trump signed in December of 2012 was mentioned by people apprehended at the border coming up from Central America in 2013 and 2014. So these people who are these alleged poor huddled masses, and they are poor, and there are masses of them, but their presence at the southern border is not organic, was not a natural occurrence, was not simply they couldn't stand the poverty anymore in their home countries. They were aware what Trump, what Obama had done in putting out DACA. Then you had Barack Obama visiting South America, uh, talking uh, with, um, after a meeting with Mexican entrepreneurs, he then went to Costa Rica. Um, this is in May of 2013. He went on to meet with the Costa Rican president and went on to meet also with the leaders in Belize, El Salvador, Guatemala, Honduras, Nicaragua, and Panama. So he's down meeting with those leaders. He's allowed to do, he's president. But this is at a time he's put DACA in place and he's becoming aware that people are coming up from those countries because they know DACA exists. They want to, they aren't eligible for DACA under the terms of DACA, but they think what DACA is signaling is if you just get yourself inside of America, somehow America is going to let you stay there. We've somehow abandoned our ideas of citizenship, 
refugee policy, asylum policy, that if you just get yourself here, America's going to let you stay. Summer of 2013, number of illegal unaccompanied minors reaching the southern border from El Salvador, Guatemala, Honduras, Nicaragua, the countries he just met with, this is in the summer, so Trump meets with them in May. By that summer, I mean, shouldn't say, I'm sorry, Obama meets with them in May. By summer of 2013, the number of illegal unaccompanied minors at the southern border from those same countries where he do it, which Obama just met with, El Salvador, Guatemala, Honduras, Nicaragua, doubles 20,000 plus reach the U.S. southern border by traveling through Mexico. By October of 2013, at the conclusion of the immigrant travel season, the White House receives notification that tens of thousands of unaccompanied minors should be anticipated to hit the southern U.S. border the following summer. So in October 2013, Obama's already aware we're going to have more of these folks coming in the summer of 2014. There was an estimated 850% increase in the number of unaccompanied children reported to the White House. In January 2014, in response to projections, the Department of Homeland Security, DHS, posts a job notification seeking bids to facilitate 65,000 incoming unaccompanied alien children. The job posting was in January of 2014. Long before they get here, DHS is looking for people to help them. On January 29th, 2014, the federal government posts an ad seeking bids for a vendor contract to handle unaccompanied alien children. They even mentioned 65,000 unaccompanied alien children. Two weeks later, February 2014, Obama visits Mexico. Um, so spring 2014, a full year of DACA, successful transport and border crossing without deportation, DHS begins to notice a significant uptick in the number of criminal elements from El Salvador, Guatemala, Honduras, Nicaragua, who joined the unaccompanied children's army. So I want to just point out, um, they're just, I mean, the numbers go on and on, but internal documents show that... Um, in internal documents of the of the U.S. government under Obama, a DHS border security alert in March 2014, three months before this massive new groups arrived from El Salvador, the White House is aware of what was coming in June. And again, this is 2014. The Obama administration recognizing months ahead, months ahead, you're going to have a bunch of unaccompanied children coming up to America from El Salvador, Guatemala, Honduras, and Nicaragua. The Obama administration is not trying to stop them, not trying to warn them, not to do anything. They are facilitating it. I just want to tell you, we have one graph I'm going to put up in just one moment, but there is a graph that shows you the number of unaccompanied people coming up from these uh, Central American countries. And it's, uh, this, I just, this graph just, just speaks volumes. This is a graph, again, showing the number of unaccompanied children showing up at America's border um, who are coming up here from all those countries we just mentioned. And the, the, obviously the numbers shoot way up from 2011 till 2014. This is Obama administration urging, enabling, encouraging unaccompanied children and others to come up from those Central American countries to come up to America after he's put DACA in place. This is the enablement 
and the encouragement by the Obama administration of these people. And so the charts is a little, maybe a little bit hard to read, but by 2014, the countries are sending people, Mexico, Guatemala, El Salvador, Honduras, and the numbers have gone just from Honduras, for example. Honduras had in 2014 a little over 45,000, um, whereas they had in, in 2012 um, just a little under 25,000, and in, back in 2011 just barely over 16,000. The point is this is an encouraged caravan movement by the Obama administration at a very, and also very similar same timing when these numbers are happening. President Obama on July 3rd, 2014, so he's halfway through his second term, 2014, President Obama requested 3.7 billion, B as in boy billion, in supplemental budget appropriations to deal with the border crisis of all these kids coming up from Central America. An entire program he has enabled through his DACA and then following up with the DACA, meeting with and encouraging leaders in Central America. I can help just send your people up or bring them all in. And those people believing they're going to be made citizens. But in July of 2014, Obama requested $3.7 billion in supplemental budget appropriations to deal with the border crisis. So he's saying we have a huge crisis at the border. You know, Congress, I mean, we need more money, $3.7 billion. And among that, we're within that 3.7 billion, only 109 million was for actual border security or for efforts to stop the flow from those countries, El Salvador, Guatemala, Honduras. And I did the math at home, President Obama in asking in 2014 for $3.7 billion in supplemental appropriations, but only 109 million to be used to actually secure the border, less than 3% less than 3% of President Obama's request to Congress for more money in 2014 to help with the border had to do with border security. Everything else is in there to facilitate and aid and help their coming here, including efforts to hire attorneys to represent these children to facilitate their effort to become American citizens. I mean, it goes on and on and on and on. Um, I go through many more numbers, but I don't want to run out of time to talk about the uh, debate last night. But the, I, I guess I want to get at the point, two points I want to make at least. We need to stop looking at the caravan, caravans coming here and the border crisis as something created by Trump's policies. Many on the left will, they show the picture of that horribly unfortunate dad and his young girl who died trying to cross the river and all the left, include those 10 clowns on the stage last night at the Democrat presidential debates, want to somehow blame President Trump. Look at his cruel policies. Look what they're doing. These policies of urging people to enter America from these Central American countries we've been talking about was put in place by Obama back in 2012 and going forward. He encouraged this, he enabled this, he inspired it, and then he presented it as a border crisis. And in the same way as the left orchestrated the Occupy Wall Street movement, you may remember that, where people thought, oh my gosh, all these young people are so upset, America must be terrible. It was orchestrated by the left. This or, or the Occupy Wall Street was, and back to the border crisis. This border crisis is not a an organic, naturally occurring crisis due to poverty in the Central American countries. It was facilitated by the Obama administration, and to a larger sense, by the American left, who uses this mass migration into America and then refuses to fund border patrol, refuses to fund adequate facilities to house these people. 
will not agree to the funding that President Trump is asking for for additional border patrol to stop people from coming here. All of this is a paid for invasion of America, paid for by the left with the long term intention of having met enough of these people come into America, be tucked away in our sanctuary cities, uh, be counted on our census, by the way, and then end up being people when the left has power again, who are all on a speedy track to amnesty to citizenship to voting. These, this is a Democrat party increase, massively increase the Democrat voter base mission disguised as a humanitarian mission to humanitarian mission to help people at the southern border. America has got to wake up and realize we got, have to stop reacting to this as though this is a, an unbelievably shocking and, and uh, you know, no, can't imagine why it happened thing happening on, because of Trump is, is mean or some stupid argument the left has. We have to recognize it's orchestrated and it is intentional and it's very harmful to America. That is what the border crisis is. And it was orchestrated from the start by the uh, by the Obama administration, and then they, and, and Trump, as you were hearing him say a moment ago, keeps saying we have a crisis, it's really a crisis, we gotta do something. Um, and then of course he is uh, victimized by the left and by the media saying, oh no, you know, it's, it's all it is is, is Trump's mean policies and, and even policies Trump is doing that Obama did, as in including things like you have to stop people at the border, make sure that they, these children they have along with them aren't being uh, that trafficked, that they really are their own kids. Obama's administration did that. Obama's administration, the pictures you saw of, of migrants in cages with children, that was the Obama administration. But somehow the left has commandeered this issue or tried to, tried to put it right in front of the American people and tried to have us all believe that this is all caused by Trump's policies. Once you recognize this is an orchestrated invasion, orchestrated by the American left, with help from other organizations we talked about before in this show, you realize that we on the conservative side, the patriotic side, the pro-America side, the pro-citizenship side, the pro-border side are actually defending an invasion and we's okay if we're pretty darn tough about it. Last quick story on the uh, Trump's efforts to move, to, to protect America is he had a plan a few weeks ago and I didn't get to this story, but he had a plan to actually begin deportation proceedings uh, using ICE. And to be clear, the group within all the illegal aliens in America, the group that President Trump was going to have ICE begin to remove forcible deportation were people who had already exhausted their entire legal process. They had already had a final deportation order issued against them. It already had the process they get to go through with lawyers to say why they think they meet our asylum standard or in some other way should be entitled to stay here under some status or green card, whatever it was they were seeking. They've done all that and the answer of the American legal system was, no, you have no right to be here. You are hereby deported. That was who Trump was going to start having the ICE people deport. And it turned out that the uh, people, the deportation efforts by ICE were sabotaged by Trump's own administration. While it has not been proven uh, beyond a shadow of a doubt, it appears very obvious to people involved in all this that the acting um, DHS chief, uh, McAleenan, M-C-A-L-E-E-N-A-N, uh, Chief McAleenan, apparently, and he's acting, he's not really, you know, he's holding the job right now to get someone in there, 
But he leaked the ICE raid details to derail the option. That was why President Trump had to pull back that deportation thing and say, okay, you know, we can't do this now because apparently Trump's own acting DHS director leaked information about that raid. Very important to understand. And a similar one last point before I turn to the debate from last night. You know, Nancy Pelosi made a comment, and I didn't get grab the clip for you, but I have a bunch of clips but for today, but I didn't get her. She was asked about this, you know, going to go ahead and have the final, the people who had final deportation orders against them. ICE was going to finally make them leave America. And she actually had a statement where she said, on enforcing immigration laws in the U.S., her words, what's the point? And I, I don't think that is a, to be lightly dismissed as, well, it's just one thing she said among many things. It's the mindset of the American left. If you, once you get that point that the entire caravan thing was an orchestrated invasion set in place by Obama's DACA and then his trips to South America and his encouraging the caravans to come here, and then you realize that the Democrat Party will not fund border security, they won't fund adequate border patrol agents, they won't help secure the border in any way, what they're really telling you is they don't think the idea of citizenship matters. That's what they are telling America. Borders don't matter to the left because citizenship doesn't matter. Because these people entering America are more valuable to the left as potential future Democrat voters. And so it's worth anything to them to let them stay here. And that, my friends, is I think all I have to say today uh, on this issue. But this is going to be this is going to be the, one of the two or three top issues in the 2020 presidential election cycle. Is do we have the backbone and the love of America and the and the comprehension of the value of the idea of citizenship enough to end up requiring an actual securing of the border? It, not in comprehensive immigration reform like the left wants, which is basically legalize everybody, but a real um, a wholesale overhaul of the immigration system and the asylum policies and, and national security to really reinstate the idea of America, a country with secure borders. And finally, I have to spend just a few minutes talking about the Democrat debate last night. To tell you the truth, I had a meeting I couldn't go, but I did watch quite a few different clips. So the Democrat debate doozies that's had to call this. I would just tell you, I thought of the whole evening, uh, the most um, enjoyable one um, was the um, of the clip that I did find. This is clip four from my wonderful producer, Matt, who um, puts up with all my last minute <laughs> adding clips. But Democrat debate, this is Representative Tim Ryan, who is answering a question, some question he got, he did, gave a tiny answer to it. And then he jumped right into this clip, which I want to have you hear, clip four. This is Tim Ryan, Democrat presidential candidate. Oh, our way out of this. But let me just talk real quick to the previous question about real politics. We could talk about climate. We could talk about guns. We could talk about all of these issues that we all care about. We have a perception problem with the Democratic Party. We are not connecting to the working class people in the very states that I represent in Ohio, in the industrial Midwest. We've lost all connection. That We have got to change the center of gravity of the Democratic Party from being coastal mm -hmm. and elitist and Ivy League, which is the perception, 
to somebody from the forgotten communities that have been left behind for the last 30 years to get those workers back on our side so we can say we're going to build electric vehicles, we're going to build solar panels. But if you want to beat Mitch McConnell, this better be a working class party if you want to go into Kentucky and take his rear end out. And if you want to take Lindsey Graham out, you got to have a blue collar party that can go into the textile communities okay. in South Carolina. Thank so all I'm, all I'm saying here, Thank you, Congressman all I'm saying here Thank is, you, Congressman Ryan. So Chuck, Chuck, all I'm saying Chuck, is here, if we don't address that fundamental problem with our connection to workers, white, black, brown, gay, straight, working class people, you, none of this is going to get done, Chuck. Chuck thank, thank Okay, that was a stellar core the whole night. I found a Democrat I agree with. He's exactly right. The Democrat Party is out of touch with a vast majority of Americans. They are the elitist, the uh, left coast, the right coast, the you know Ivy League, the intellectuals. So he really hit the nail on the head, and he did hear the audience applauding. You did not hear the audience applauding as much. Um, in response to what he just said, as to many other quotes from the evening, there were quotes, all these things about, you know, and, and college ought to be free and, uh, and you know, health care should be free and Medicare for all and, and pay back all the, the debt everyone's ever acquired for college. I mean, all these kind of free, 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 free. That really sends that audience uh, into a tizzy. I do want to play one really bizarro. Uh, I don't think Julian Castro uh, really got on board with what Tim Ryan was saying because he had... The most, uh, this may win the prize, the most bizarro comment of the evening. This is Julian Castro, uh, again, Democrat presidential candidate in the debate last night. Uh, I don't believe only in reproductive uh, freedom. I believe in reproductive justice. And, you know, what that means is that just because a woman, or let's also not forget someone in the trans community, a trans female, is poor doesn't mean they shouldn't have the right to exercise that right to choose. And so I absolutely would cover the right to have an abortion. More okay, just to be clear, I mean, if any one comment from the entire debate last night was, was mercilessly attacked on Twitter, it was that one. Transgender women means man. It means a man who is physically, biologically, you know, uh, anatomically male. And he's speaking up for anatomical males' rights to abortion. I mean, there were many, many, many funny. I, I consider running a bunch of funny tweets. It's not worth it. But, I mean, seriously, so that, that's a kind of comment, Julian Castro's comment and others that make people say, this party is so out of touch with anything that matters in this country. We have jobs back. We're thrilled to have jobs. We have a president who wants to secure the border. You guys want to abandon the border. We have an economy that's booming. How could you be talking about raising taxes and increasing government regulation? I mean, they're just, they are, this, this group is so far left that the only sane thing I heard, at least in the clips I played, was Tim Ryan. Last thing I want to just point to, this is kind of summarizes, this is Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, who at least is not running for president this year, but she was on um, some late night talk show, and she had a little clip uh, that she, he, he was basically asked, this late night guy, you know, what do you think about the debate? So I'm just going to play for you what she had to say. this big it can kind of seem like a high school classroom and uh, and so there are some folks that like didn't seem like they read the book and then they got called on and then 
Anybody in particular? And you, you, you know, you kind of like, it, it depends on the question. And so, uh, <clears throat> so they'll answer the question or they'll get called on. And I don't think some candidates thought that they were going to get called on a certain question. Mm -hmm. And then they'll be like, yes, the hero was courageous and the protagonist of the story. Yes. <laughs> I, I really do think that this was a breakaway night, and yeah. I think that um, there was, like, I think Elizabeth Warren really distinguished herself. I think uh, Julian Castro really distinguished herself. I think Cory Booker did a great job at, mm -hmm. uh, in talking about um, criminal justice, and I think that there were communities that got centered tonight. The trans community got centered tonight. The immigrant community got centered tonight, and I think that those, that was an extraordinary moment as well. Okay, I just want to make the point. I wanted to play that as a wrap-up for today. And as you know, there's another round of debates tonight. Uh, the second 10 of the Democrat candidates have their debate tonight. But what AOC, why I wanted to play her is, this is the mindset that has captured the young Democrat millennial vote in this country. They are looking for someone who will speak to the trans community and speak to the gay community and speak to the Hispanic community and speak to all these you know, film, it's, it's another form of hyphenated America. Instead of African-American, Asian-American, Hispanic-American, these were the community because the, the hyphenated has got kind of unpopular. But the, all they're really talking about is trying to segment society and then her worldview is, what is it these people say that make these little groups happy? It is so small, so out of touch, so unserious in a world, and we facing the dangers we face in this world, facing the challenges America has, facing an unsecure southern border, facing threats from China, facing threats from the uh, just the the any, I can't, the economy and all sorts of issues. Everything's going great, and yet what she wants to talk about is, did each of those candidates address the trans community? But sadly, she is representative of far too many of the uh, leftist voters who are going to choose among those Democratic candidates. And now my friends will turn to why all this matters to you. Supreme Court and the citizenship question. John Roberts is not, and this was his term during his uh, confirmation hearing, he's not a balls and strikes conservative justice. The decision is flat out political. A census question about citizenship would tell America the minimum number of people living in America illegally. I mean, minimum being the number of people who would answer the question and would impact federal dollars and congressional power seats and electoral college. Counting illegals in the census empowers the Democrats Prohibiting the question on the census empowers the Democrats. I'm sorry, I, I wrote that wrong. Excuse me. The, uh, permitting anyway, you know what I'm saying. If the question's on the on the census, it helps the Democrats. Okay, border mess. How we got here? Americans are being played. Please go back and listen to what I was saying earlier about the sequence of things that that Obama set in place. The caravans are not spontaneous innocent huddled masses. They're overwhelming our border and our cities. This leads to chaos and ultimately a surrender to amnesty. Democrats are orchestrating border security weakness, and that is opposition to border security. Advocacy for amnesty, moving millions towards citizenship, is not about justice or about fairness. It's all about power for the Democrats. Caravans are at our border because of Obama's leftist open borders agenda. DACA incentivized caravans. Central Americans knew DACA would enable them. The result was swamping the American border security system, the social services safety net, and eventually the electorate with new dependent on Democrat voters. Trump is apparently the only elected official who sees this for what it is. 
the deep state deportation. Trump is battling an entire ruling class to swamp Israel, including his own administration, acting DHS head. Obama holders still resist at high levels nearly every agency. The apparent sabotage of ICE raids by government officials is unconscionable, lawless, and it thwarts the policies of the person elected president by the American people, and it thwarts the will of the American people. On the Democrat debate, the Dems are the party of coastal elites, and they know it. They're also the party of absurdity. Abortion rights for men? Yeah, transgender women are men. Democrats are the party of bribes. Free health care, free college, free housing, a job for everyone. Ask your Democrat friends, and I'm going to hit this question next, next week, but ask your Democrat friends, why can't everything be free? If health care, college, housing can all be free, why can't everything be free? Get people starting to think how absurd it is, what they promise can be free, and finally, delusions. This, this Democrats are part of delusions. They are, they ends up being delusions dependent on ignorant voters. That's what Democrats count on, delusional promises. Uh, and they, they get voters who are ignorant enough to buy into that. America must be smarter than to fall for this. I'm Debbie Georgiatis. This is America Can We Talk. Thank you for tuning in. Please tune in every Monday through Thursday, 3 p.m. Central Time. And as I try to do every day in my show, please speak up for America because America matters. Talk to you next week. America, can we talk truth about America? <laughs>